lot of us, as we head into our lives each day, we face the stresses and the temptations of life, and it brings out that same attitude, and we just, we just want to pull ourselves up by our bootstraps. You're, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this, and I'm going to... I can do this. We've got this. And I'm here to encourage you today. You really can't. Sorry. I, well, I'm saying that you can't do it just by psyching yourself up, just just trying harder does not make you immune to the temptations and the trials of life. But but I am also here to tell you today that you can thrive, not just survive, uh, by relying on God and, and his power in your life. Today we're starting a series, you see it up there, called Suit Up. And we'll be looking in depth at what the Apostle Paul called the armor of God. So over the last, uh, the next several weeks, we'll be looking at different uh, aspects of that armor. It's in Ephesians chapter 6, uh, at the end of that chapter. And it says so much in just those few verses uh, that, that we need to be applying daily to our lives to, to suit up. Every day, as we face spiritual challenges, uh, there, there, are, there are steps that we can take to be prepared to face those challenges. Again, not just to survive them, but to thrive through them. When I hear the term suit up, I am transported back to the high school locker room before a basketball game. Uh, our coach always had us dress up for school on game day, so we're, we're, we walked into the gym wearing ties and, and uh, dress clothes and carrying our gym bags and, and, and everything we, we needed for the game that was coming up, and everyone would find a spot uh, uh, on a bench somewhere around the lockers. We'd claim a locker, and then we'd start suiting up for the game. I'd pull out my number 10 jersey, either in home white or Kelly green, I'd pull on my way too short, way too tight shorts that were just the thing back then. And that's what it, and put, get my, uh, my, my white high tops and my white tube socks. That's what we called them back in the day. Uh, Mid-calf tube socks. Well, you probably, go ahead, go ahead and, uh, there's, there's the team from, uh, maybe my junior, uh, yeah, I'm the guy in the front with my tongue sticking out. Um, not sure why, but, uh, anyway. Uh, the Tree of Life Trojans, and you see the shorts are entirely too short, but that was just how it, how it happened back. That's what it meant if you were going to suit up for a basketball game. Uh, you had to have the right equipment, and for some reason, somebody uh, back in 1987 thought that that was the right thing to wear in order to be prepared for the contest to come, to get the job done right uh, on, the, on the basketball floor. For soccer, it was a little different. It was the number nine jersey, uh, some longer shorts, thankfully, uh, the, uh, the Adidas Copa cleats and shin guards. Go ahead and uh, put that one up. That's what it looked like to suit up for, uh, for a college soccer game. Uh, just, I, I didn't tell him ahead of time. There is another member of our church in that picture. Um, and he's, Sitting over here to the to my left, uh, Rob Skidmore is right there in front of me. There, number four, uh, the the true star of the uh, Mount Vernon Nazarene College soccer team. Uh, but that's what it meant. That's what it looked like if we were uh, suited up to play college soccer 25 years ago. Of course, yeah, you better take that off. It's kind of distracting. Uh, yeah, okay. Of course, if I played football, uh, I I would have suited up differently, right? Or if I played tennis, it would look even different than that. Or if I was on the, 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 the track team, it would look even different. Or if I was on the swim club, it would look a lot different. Uh, it, different equipment is required in order to succeed in different sports. 
So showing up to a race at a track meet wearing your football gear would not have been very effective, right? Because that wasn't what was needed to get the job done. The opposite would also be true. Showing up for a football game dressed for a track meet would not have worked out very well either. Of course, as we, as we live our lives, uh, we're facing much more than just a sporting competition. In, in any of, of those, those games, uh, that, that we play, uh, we, we play hard. Sometimes we win, sometimes we lose, and then we all go on with our lives afterwards, right? Um, I mean, we're, we're pulling for the Cavs. <laughs> Cavs in seven. There we go. Um, or maybe tomorrow night. Uh, but, uh, anyway, uh, uh, believe, oh, believe land, I guess, right? I'm just having a little trouble getting there. It'd be great. But I guess what I'm saying is if the calves, if it's calves in seven, that's awesome. But your life probably doesn't change. If the calves lose tomorrow night, oh, but our lives, life goes on, right? Just a sporting event, life goes on. Uh, we we want to win, but yeah, if we don't, okay. Sometimes I thought in some of those games, you know, it was the end of the world if we lost, but it really wasn't, right? But in life, the stakes are much higher, and, and so we need to win in life. We, we have to win. We, we have to still be standing spiritually at the end of the day, at the end of life, at the end of time. And so we need the right equipment, and Paul calls that a great uh, a metaphor, a great uh, descriptor. Paul calls that the armor of God. So our uh, passage is in Ephesians chapter 6, beginning at verse 10, and it goes this way. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you will be able to take, stand your ground and after you've done everything to stand. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with, with which you can extinguish the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Pray also for me that whenever I speak, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. The challenge for us couldn't be more clear. He starts that passage off. The Apostle Paul starts that passage off. He says, finally, be strong. Be strong. That's the challenge. You need to be strong in this life that you're living. It's, it's an instruction. It's an expectation. It's, it's a challenge. We need to be strong. The gauntlet has been thrown down. Uh, why do we need to be strong? Because living a life committed to God is not an easy thing. There's opposition out there. The enemy wants to take us down. Without that enemy, the devil, we wouldn't need the armor. But because he's there and because he's making it difficult and there's schemes and uh, and, and fiery arrows, uh, because of those things, we need the armor. If, if he wasn't there, there wouldn't be uh, a need for the armor. There wouldn't be a battle, but he is there. And so he'd like nothing better than to tempt us into sin, to bring the consequences to our lives, uh, not only for this life, but for eternity. And so we need to be strong. We have to realize 
Before we get into all the details of this armor, we have to realize that there is a war, a very real war being fought every minute, a spiritual battle, Paul describes here. It's a battle for our souls, and and this passage says that it is playing out in heavenly realms. It's kind of the stuff of science fiction a little bit. We think about that, and what is... What is that all about? This term uh, is only used by Paul, uh, this term heavenly realms, and it's only used by Paul in this letter to uh, the Ephesians. It's nowhere else in Scripture. Uh, uh, But he he starts in in chapter 1, verse 3, talking about these heavenly realms. He says, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. He goes on a little bit later in in chapter 1, verse 19 and 20, that power is the same as as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the right at his right hand in the heavenly realms chapter 2 verse 6 God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus Uh, chapter 3 verses 10 and 11 his intent was that now through the church the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. And then now it says that there's this battle being waged between uh, the, 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 the rulers of this dark world and, and the, 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 it's, it's in the heavenly realms in chapter 6. Paul is very much concerned with the spiritual side of life, not just the physical side of life. He's concerned with the eternal side of things, things that will last. Uh, and, and that includes the outcome of the spiritual battle that is taking place in the heavenly realms uh, with our souls in the balance in fact as i as, as i've said before uh and it's opposite of how we live most of the time but but things happening at a spiritual level are more important and more real than the things even that we can see and touch those are the things, the things happening in heavenly realms, the, the spiritual things are the things that have eternal significance. So Paul says that we need to be prepared for this war because we're in it whether we recognize it or not, and it's imperative that we win. Paul doesn't use the word win here. Winning, he's describing that. He says you need to be able to stand. Take a stand against these dark forces seeking to bring us down. That's, that's the goal. To, to, to take a stand, to, to remain standing. It's all about not giving up ground to the enemy. Now, I, I read that to stand, and I'm going, well, Paul doesn't have huge expectations here. I mean, we're, we're on God's side. We should be taking ground and, and charging, and, and it's not just that we're going to stand, but we're going to conquer, we're going to take over. And It helps to, to flesh that out a little bit, because we know from history... Uh, that, that Rome and the, the Roman Empire and the Roman army, uh, they had a distinct and very effective ways of fighting battles, right? And they, they conquered kingdoms and, and did all that. And one, one major way that they, they did that, they trained each soldier to, uh, to protect a certain space around them. So you've got the infantry and you've got the soldiers and, and, uh, and let's say that, that I am one and so right around me, I've got a certain space around me and it was expected that I was going to defend that space. That's uh, that's very small-minded, except that if I'm standing here and there's someone else there and there and there and there's a whole army, a whole company of people and we're all defending our one space, now the whole, all of that space is being defended. And, and so the, the expectation was that in battle, uh, I protect that space to the death. An enemy that entered that space was supposed to be engaged and killed. 
And the soldiers were, were grouped in rows, and uh, so the, then those rows kind of made up a, a, a square, and, but then they were, they were shifted, so it was kind of like a, a checkerboard. So, so we had one here and one here, and then this row was kind of offset. Anyway, and, and it, it filled this, this whole section, and so on command, those, those squares, the squares of people, uh, squares of soldiers moved forward together so that each soldier did exactly what he, what, what he was trained to do. If an enemy entered his space then he'd take him on to the death. And if I was victorious and he was victorious, anyway, as, as we are victorious in our own little space and together we're victorious, then, then we stood our ground against the enemy and through that we attain victory. And through that, as we stand our ground in this space and the whole company moves ahead, we're continuing to take ground. We're, we're, we're standing our ground. We're, at the end of the day, we're still standing. That's the goal. That's the picture that Paul has in his mind. That's what he would have known uh, as he's as he's writing this. And, and so this passage is all about standing our ground spiritually. Four times in in three verses, Paul mentions standing, standing your ground, uh, standing firm after you've done everything to stand. Don't give ground to the enemy of your soul. He's saying, and, and Paul didn't just challenge us to stand. He then tells us how we can. It's all about suiting up with the right armor. Of course, we're not, not only are we not uh, familiar with the fighting practices of, of the Romans, well, some of you probably are because you're just that nerdy, right? But uh, I'm just kidding. If that offended you, uh, apply it how it needs to. But um, we're also probably not too familiar, uh, other than church plays maybe, what the, uh, what the Roman soldier, uh, what the Roman armor looked like. Uh, the people of Paul's day would have known what their Roman, Roman armor uh, was like, what a Roman soldier wore in battle. And, and Paul would have been very familiar with what a, uh, what a soldier would have worn because at the time of him, him writing this letter uh, to the church in Ephesus, Paul is in Rome. Not just in Rome, but he's uh, under guard uh, in a house, but under guard, uh, there's there's uh, good evidence that probably 24 hours a day, seven days a week, he's chained to a Roman soldier. He would have known what these soldiers wore. He he knew exactly what they what they, he was intimately familiar with this armor. Uh, he even describes this this list of articles of armor in the order that it would have been put on. So he was very familiar with this armor. He doesn't include every piece of armor that a soldier wore, but I'm sure he had hours to reflect on this. He's sitting there, maybe uh, striking up conversation with these soldiers that are guarding him and talking about the various uses of the armor, and, and he would see the spiritual correlations and, and how that relates to our lives. And so he wraps up this letter by instructing the Christians in this church in Ephesus and in writing this letter also to the church which includes us today, he says, put on, there's a battle being waged. You need to stand, you need to be strong. How do you do that? You've got to put on the full armor of God. A couple of observations about this entire set of armor. The first thing is that this is God's armor, not yours. The armor is God's. Put on the armor of God. The armor is God's, the strength is God's. It says in verses 10 and 11, finally be strong in the Lord, in his mighty power. 
How do we do that? We put on his armor so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. The only way that we can do that is to rely on the power of God. It's God's power, not your power. We're told to be strong, but only in only with God's mighty power. So there's no amount of psyching yourself up to do this and say, oh, I can do this. You probably... You, you won't be able to get it done or sustain that. But if you're relying on God's mighty power, you can withstand the attacks of the enemy. Paul even prayed for this to be, be true in, in our lives back in chapter one. So, so at the beginning of this letter, he's, he's praying one of the, one of the classic prayers that, that we have in scripture of Paul praying for the, the people of the church. In chapter one, verse 18, it says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. What's that power like? Well, that power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead is the power that is available to you and me as we live our lives each day. We don't have to give in to temptation. We don't have to give in to the, uh, the, 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 the attacks of the enemy. God provides his power, his strength, and it is enough if we use it. Paul describes a power as pieces of armor. And so uh, he, he talks about truth and righteousness and faith and salvation and the gospel and the, the, the word of God. Uh, those are the resources uh, that, that have the power to keep us strong and steady, to stand firm even in the midst of temptation. Romans 8, 37 to 39 uses the same imagery of a, a conquering uh, soldier. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. We can be more than conquerors. We are not doomed to defeat against the devil. We can be more than conquerors because it's God's power and it's more than enough to withstand the attacks of the enemy. God will sustain us. He will strengthen us. He will uphold us. We can do this in his mighty power. It's not our armor, it's God's armor. Another observation, you have to suit up. You have to put it on. It doesn't just put itself on. Verse 10, and again in verse 13, we're challenged to put on the armor of God. God doesn't dress us. We play a role. We have an active role to play in accessing and using this power. It takes effort. It's not just something that happens to us. These items of armor are available to us, but do us no good if we're not developing them in our lives, if we're not seeking them out, if we're not uh, watching them then, then develop and grow in our lives, if we're not putting them on. More than once in high school, I, I realized after I arrived in the locker room that I had forgotten a piece of my uniform. Maybe I, I didn't get my shoes in the bag, or I forgot my socks, or I brought the home jersey and we were uh, playing the, uh, you know, we we're supposed to wear the, the green, not the, not the white, or vice versa. Didn't happen often, but it only has to happen a couple of times. I mean, I'm starting to get a little bit nervous in the pit of my stomach right now just thinking about it as you open your bag and you're, oh, I don't have what I need, right? I, I, I had been provided what I needed. But I couldn't participate in the game that night because I, had, I hadn't done my part. 
The coach wasn't going to provide the uniforms for us and bring them all with him and dress each one of us, right? Probably be a little weird if he did that. We had the responsibility of taking care of and putting on what had been provided. So as we go through these pieces of armor in the coming weeks, please realize that this takes effort on our part. You have to be intentional about this. It doesn't happen automatically. You will not wake up one morning and say, whoa, hey, I think I'm dressed in the full armor of God. Wasn't that cool? It's not automatic. The only thing automatic in life is death, right? (laughs) Uh, You don't have to plan for it. You don't have to prepare for it. You don't have to set goals in order to achieve it. It's just going to happen. But getting better, growing deeper, being ready for battle, wearing the armor of God, protecting yourself against it, those, those things only happen when we are intentionally developing them, when we make the effort to put on the armor of God. God provides the armor, but we have to put it on if it's going to do any good. So it's a partnership. All that out of the way, let's look at the first piece of armor that we're going to wear, and it is a belt. Seems a little weird, right? I mean, that's the first thing we're putting on. And these days, belts are for looks just as much as they are practical, although although we do need belts at times to keep our pants up. I remember uh, a teacher that taught with Rebecca in inner city Kansas City years ago. Uh, she, she had a bunch of heavy twine in her room. And uh, if the boys came to school sagging with their, their drawers halfway down their backside, she would pull them aside, cut off a length of twine, Wrap them all up, tie it up, and they'd have to wear that as a belt for the rest of the day. Pull your pants up, boy. Belts are important. We, we need them to, to hold them. Probably not as important for us as they were, as they were back then. So we need to kind of, again, kind of insert ourselves into the, the, the culture of the time to, to really get the significance of this. A lot of times we see belts just as much as an accessory as we do uh, useful. Belts in Paul's day were essential to everyday use for, for the common person and also for the, uh, for the soldier. The clothing of the time was loose fitting. You've been in enough or seen enough, uh, uh, Christmas plays to know that, that, that there were, you know, loose fitting like robes and those kinds of things, usually several layers of that. And, and then they kind of put a belt around the, the outside to kind of tie it all together, right? And, uh, and then if they had to go somewhere quick, usually they would, uh, you know, pull that up and either hold it, but typically they would tuck it in their belt and then they would be free to, uh, to, to, to head out for, for action, to, to, to move quickly, to, uh, to, to, to run, to do whatever they needed to do. Uh, it, King James language, you'd call that girding your loins. Isn't that good? That's a good little gird your loins. Use that in a sentence this week and see what happens. It was all about getting ready for action. So the belt was there in order to help them get ready for action. In the armor of the day, the belt was really one of the keys to the entire uniform because much of the other armor actually attached to or was in conjunction with that belt, including the breastplate that we'll talk about next week. It actually attached to the belt. Uh, the, uh, the sword hung off of the belt. If the belt wasn't there or it wasn't on tight or it wasn't on right, uh, all of the protection would break down. So, so a belt represented being prepared for action, and also it was an essential piece that held everything else together. And Paul says that we need to wear the belt of truth. According to a recent study, 97% of people in the United States tell lies, usually around 1,000 lies per year, per person. Maybe you've heard about the two friends who met on a pier in Florida And after catching up a bit, they began to tell stories about uh, their favorite pastime, fishing. And one said, well, I went fishing last week, 
and I caught a herring that weighed 450 pounds. The other guy nodded and then said, well, I went fishing last week too. I, I didn't catch any fish, but instead I, uh, uh, when I pulled up the hook, there was a lantern from an old ship. It looked ancient, an old ship. It was covered in mud and seaweed and barnacles. And as I cleaned that thing off and I, and I looked on the backside, it said manufactured in 1467. And would you believe it? The light was still burning. The other guy sat there for a minute. They kind of sat in silence, staring out over the, over the ocean. The first guy said, I'll take a hundred pounds off my herring if you blow out that light. George Burns once said, the most important thing in acting is honesty. If you can't fake that, you've got it made. Unfortunately, many people have faking honesty down pat. So is that really what Paul's talking about here, telling the truth? Well, well, kind of, that's included here. Uh, saying that we need to buckle on the belt of truth first, Paul is emphasizing uh, the importance of character, honesty, and integrity. Uh, the core of who we are needs to be people of integrity and truth, founded on the truth. Part of the character of God is that he is truth. He does not lie or deceive. If we are truly following after God, we're allowing him to develop his character in us, we will be characterized by truth. If we are not, if our character has flaws, if, uh, if we're not people of integrity, then the rest of the armor kind of falls apart. Interesting thing about armor, it usually is crafted in order to counter the anticipated weapons of the enemy. Right? So if my enemy is coming after me with a sword, I need a certain type of armor to defend against that. If my enemy has a rocket launcher, probably a different kind of defense is needed. In World War II, American soldiers were outfitted with gas masks to protect them against the mustard gas that had been used in World War I. They realized that that, uh, very early on that that wasn't uh, a threat in World War II, and so the officers quickly had their soldiers dispose of those masks to lighten their load, and the enemy's tactics then informed the armor that was used. And so it's said that, 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 that a lot, uh, it says a lot that the first piece of armor mentioned here is truth. We get a, a, a picture of what our enemy's tactics might be once we look at the armor, because the armor is formed to defend against the tactics of the enemy. Our devil, the devil, not our devil, the devil, is most known for his deception, right? His lack of truth. The enemy has been called the father of lies. He is a deceiver. He appears many times as an angel of light, appearing to be good when he is not. It's what he does. He deceives and he manipulates and he tempts. And we must be people of integrity and truth in order to combat these schemes of the devil. The belt of truth is all about developing solid character, being honest and dependable. And it's also, there's, there's an element in here too that, that we have to know the truth of God if we're going to stand against the devil. There, there's so much misinformation and partial truth in our world today. We must know the truth of God and live by it. When I, when I attended seminary, one job that seemed to be popular among the students, many, many students, um, worked at, at banks. They were bank tellers. I, I guess bankers' hours coincided with, uh, with school t- class times or w- whatever. But anyway, one important part of those students' training included how to identify counterfeit money. Of course, they were shown counterfeit money and, and they read descriptions of the counterfeits and they, they, they learned some of the common practices of how people would try to use counterfeits. 
but the most effective thing was when that they would spend time counting money, real money, stacks and stacks of money, hour after hour, day after day as part of their training. At, at some point, a- after uh, several days, the manager would, uh, would have them counting bills again, but this time she slipped a counterfeit bill into the stack somewhere. Because they had spent so much time with the real thing, the counterfeit stuck out like a sore thumb. How do we spot the deceptions of the devil? Spend so much time with the truth that the counterfeit, that anything else, sticks out like a sore thumb. That's the primary way that we can buckle on the belt of truth around our waist, that we can develop the character of God in our lives. We need to spend time with him. We need to spend time with his word. We need to spend time with his people. We need to immerse ourselves in truth. And when we develop his truth as our character, we're able to withstand the deceptive arrows of our enemy, the devil. So we have to intentionally develop, put on this armor. And today we're talking about truth. We need to intentionally develop our character, our integrity. When we're faced with a, with a, with a circumstance, a dilemma, a, an issue of right and wrong or, or right and maybe not so right, where do we go to? How do we find that? Well, we've got to immerse ourselves in the truth. In, in, in scripture, in talking with the, with the, with the people of God and, and talking with God in prayer and, and searching the scripture to find how is it? What is it? How can I develop to be more and more a person of truth and character? Uh, are you discerning the world around you based on the wisdom and truth of this world or the wisdom and truth of God? You, you won't wake up one morning and be surprised to discover the belt of truth buckled, has buckled itself around your waist. <laughs> oh my goodness, look, now I'm a person of, of truth and character. We have to be intentional and spend time daily with God and spend time daily in his word. We need to study and, and, and seek out that truth. We need to ask questions. We need to dig deep. We need to be intentional about our spiritual lives and seek after him. And as we do that, it, it, buckles on the belt of truth on which everything else hangs, on which everything else is connected. We have to apply that to our lives and it's then that we're ready for action. You are in a battle for your soul. You can stand your ground, but only if you are intentionally putting on God's armor that he's provided for you. Without that, you won't survive. Will you stand? Father God, we seek after you today. We acknowledge that we are weak and we are in need of your strength. Lord, we know that, uh, that the enemy, uh, our enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to consume Lord, I pray that you will impress that upon our minds that when we're tempted to cut corners or to, uh, to, uh, to, 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 to not uh, dig deep on these areas of character and, and truth, Lord, I, I pray that you'll help us to see that you have provided for our protection. It is your strength that enables us to be the people you call us to be so that at the end of the day, at the end of life, we can stand 
knowing that we have withstood the attacks of the enemy. Lord, I pray that you would develop your character within us, that you would help us to put on this armor, that we can be intentional about seeking out your truth and your grace in our lives. Lord, I pray that as we go from here, we can go knowing that that you have a plan for us not to just succumb to the the issues of of this life, the temptations that would drag us down, but you have a plan for us to withstand and to be strong in your mighty power. I pray that as as we go today, we can go rejoicing that your spirit goes with us, enabling us, empowering us to be your people. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.